too early. I got to wait. If you're new to our church, please pick up a welcome folder that's at the connection site or the welcome and information desk. We'd like to know you were here, so everyone, please put your name on the friendship card you'll find in the bulletin. If you would like to receive the church newsletter or need an update of any information, please be sure to fill out the address, email, and phone number. On the back, you can write prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff. Please enjoy our service and have a blessed day. Good morning, everybody. This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, we come into your presence this day to offer our praises, to offer ourselves to you in praise and in worship of you and to glorify you. We pray that you'll come and dwell among us and give us your spirit that we may experience you in a powerful way. Lord, accept our worship this day and always in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing together. Come, ye thankful people, come.
Lord be with you. Please be seated. This morning in your bulletin, you'll find a mission moment offering. This goes to support the mission efforts of the United Methodist Church around the world. So this helps our denomination by putting little gifts together, do major things around the world. So it's there for your consideration. Thank you. Clipboard right now. The clipboard is for the hanging of the greens, which is coming up on Sunday. And what we do is we gather together as a church family and we have a very good time decorating the church for Christmas. So I invite you all to check that out and hopefully join us because we have a great time and we could use your help. Um, we have Today is Heritage Sunday, which means that we like to honor the people in our congregation who have made a really strong commitment to our church, meaning these are the people that have been a member of Pendleton Center United Methodist Church for the longest. So in honor of that, if, as I call your name, if you could please stand if you're able, and we would like to present you with a rose. Anna K. Anderson, Dick Anderson, Rich Anderson, Jean Beeger, Darlene Brooks, Olive Burbage, Bonnie Bush, Thomas Bush, Gary Duchere, Shirley Duchere, Dorothy Getty, Ed Getty, Sam Matina, Jean McMorris, Ursula Morrison, Carolyn Patterson, Jeannie Prendergast, James Riggs, Marge Riggs, Sandy Roseland, Claudia Rowe, June Smith, Bev Spencer, Vicki Spencer, and Marge Wurtenberger. So can we give a round of applause for great appreciation for these people who have made such a great commitment to our church. I'm also very thankful this morning for our shoebox ministry. The Operation Christmas Child wraps up today. After the late service, we're going to have all hands on tech. We're packing them all up, and I'm thankful for all, everyone's help and all of their participation in this great ministry that spreads the word of Jesus' salvation throughout the world. And I'd love to hear what you all are thankful for today. What did you come to praise? Yes. Iris Rose, keep praying. She's doing great. Amen. Heather. Wonderful. She had a breakthrough at school. That's wonderful. Excellent. Anyone else want to praise? As we enter into worship, we come with a thankful heart. And so I invite you to reflect on God's goodness and the incredible blessings you have in your life as you return your gifts, tithes, and offerings to the Lord.
Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for the many blessings in our lives, and we give back to you as a reflection of our love, of our gratitude, of our incredible thanks to you. Lord, we pray that you will bless these gifts, that they may be a witness in the world to transform the world into your light and your love. Give us your wisdom, Lord, to use these in ways that magnify your goodness and bring your grace and your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We have many concerns to share from within our church family. Um, continue, please, to pray for Joanna Papaleo, Jean Beeger, Jan Fay, and Jan Gertz, who are all still um, recuperating from different things or in slow process of recovery. Please pray for the Bobzine family. Louis, uh, Louis Bobzine's mom passed away, um, so please keep the Bobzine family in prayer. Please pray for Kristen Licata, who is experiencing health concerns. Um, pray for Dick Anderson, who is in the hospital still. And um, pray for Ashley Rosati's baby. Um, she's, the baby's experiencing health concerns and is go, will be having to have surgery. And uh, pray for Amy Yurden, who was uh, admitted into ICU last night. And I know that we have many other concerns within this congregation. So would anyone like to offer up anything that they'd like to have prayed for today? Judy. Pray for Michelle for healing and for Lisa for a softened heart. Anyone else? Karen. So pray for Amy Deke, Karen's daughter, who's experiencing health concerns that she, the pain may go away, and another, for more softened hearts and experiencing of the Spirit. Anyone else? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so please pray for the Lakata family, friends, and for Dave Lacey and his daughter. Anyone else? Let's turn to the Lord. Gracious and loving Lord, we come to you this day glorifying your name because you are good, you are holy, you are righteous, and you are healer. We pray that your hand will be upon those who are in need of physical healing. Lord, we pray for those who are experiencing pain, that in the name of Jesus, the pain will be gone. Whatever is causing the pain will be healed. We pray for those experiencing different types of diseases, that they will experience complete healing in your name. Lord, we pray that your hand will be upon people who are experiencing all sorts of physical ailments, that as they walk into surgeries and different treatments, Lord, that you'll be with them. You'll be with doctors. You'll be with nurses. And you'll bring healing, Lord, that 
will be able to glorify you. We pray that your presence will be with people who are experiencing problems with their health, that they will experience you and be drawn closer to you. Be with families and friends. Surround them with your love. Give everyone encouragement and strength. Lord, we pray for families. We pray for friends. We pray for relationships. We pray the, the brokenness, Lord, will be healed. That there will be healing not only physically, but emotionally, relationally, spiritually. That hardened hearts will be softened. And that we will be able to participate with you in the healing of people's souls. That people will be drawn closer to you through our witness. Lord, we pray for our families that you'll bring love and peace and grace that as we gather together with people that we love, that love will abound, that hurt will be gone. We send healing to our families. Lord, we pray for people who are experiencing financial issues. We pray that you'll give opportunity and wisdom. Lord, we pray for those who are experiencing problems in discernment we pray that you'll give wisdom and direction people who are struggling with making decisions lord we pray that you'll set them on your path lord, we pray for people who are experiencing problems with their backs and problems with their stomachs lord we pray your hand upon them that healing will occur lord we thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your people and we pray that your hand will continue to be upon this church and this church family that you will continue to lead us and that we may continue to follow abandoning our, anything that we want for ourselves and moving in powerful ways as witnesses in the world in whatever direction you lead us give us your courage give us your strength to do whatever it takes in your name Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in the lives of all of us we thank you for your peace and your presence and we pray that you'll continue to dwell within us and among us, that you will draw us closer to you and closer to one another. Lord, we thank you for the healing you're doing with us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. We thank you, Lord, because we're proclaiming healing in all areas in the name and authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now let's hear from the Lord of the Lord. morning. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 15 through 30. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. 
The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, Day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. This is the word of our Lord. Thank you, Amy. Some of you might be saying, didn't I hear this story last week? Yes. This is manna part two, if you will. We're looking at something different. Last week we were talking about how we need to participate in the work of, of the dream that God has for our lives if we want to make it happen. Today we have to talk about avoiding temptation. Temptation. I went to see the doctor about a month ago. Now I planned this out perfectly. I've been working out all summer long doing construction. I dropped off two notches on my belt. I was feeling good and healthy. I knew that I was going to ace these tests, you know. And I walked into his office. He said, you get here, you get here. Cholesterol's good. Dude, what's going on with the sugar? And I said, oh, come on. Come on. Can't I just pass one of those tests just once? You want to blame the tests? In fact, he did. He said, sometimes the tests are wrong. He gave me an out. I couldn't believe it. But I don't know that the tests were wrong. The truth is, God gives us the answers for a healthy life if we listen to him. Just like those TV commercials about all the drugs, have you ever noticed it at the end, they always say, with proper diet and exercise. If we could do the proper diet and exercise, we wouldn't need the pills, right? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 10 says to us, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. 
And that's our verse for today. God disciplines us for our good. He gives us lessons to teach us what we need to be healthy. Even in this story, it says if we eat an omer of manna and some quail each day, we'll be good. Everybody good with that? You got an omer of of manna somewhere? Do you even know what an omer is? In other words, if you eat about two or three pounds a day, nutritionally, you should be well off. They went out and they gathered what they needed. Some gathered more, some gathered less, but they all got what they needed because that's part of the problem we have. Our need feeds us. Our wants kill us. So the first lesson we have is that we need to learn how to do what will help us, not what will hurt us. Six days, it says, you'll work. You need to work. It's good for you. I found that since I've been doing more physical work, I'm feeling healthier. It's true. And it didn't say go out and work a day here or there. It said six days you go out to work. That's a lot of work. In fact, he created a world in which they had to go out every day. Did you notice that? Because if they didn't go out in the morning, they didn't eat. Can you imagine that? If you don't get up and work in the morning, you get no food. That would motivate some people. Some people, not so much. The number one problem in our culture, though, is not just that we don't eat right or we don't work right, but that we get all stressed out nowadays about everything. We have more anxieties and more worries, even though we have an abundance of all the things that the culture of this world has tried to attain. Because we really don't know how to properly rest. I mean, just take a day. No chores. No going on the computer. No figuring stuff out. Have you ever watched one of those old movies and you get about halfway through it and you're thinking, why am I watching this movie? Anybody ever do that? And you have enough time to watch it till the end anyways? That kind of a day. Could you imagine a day of rest like that where you just let your, your body, let your mind, let your world relax? That's what the Sabbath is supposed to be. One day off. There was no manna on the Sabbath. On Friday, which is the day before the Sabbath, because you know you're not Sabbath worshipers. They came last night. You guys worship on the Lord's Day. The Sabbath is Saturday. So on Friday, they gathered twice as much because there'd be no manna on on the Sabbath. Why would God bless us to break his rules? Why would God give us blessings to go out and do what we're not supposed to do? So they finally rested. And in doing so, in doing so, they kept it holy. See, now that's one of the other pieces. The Sabbath isn't just about resting. Jesus said, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need to do more than just, just rest. We need to actually remember God. Now, I've had a problem lately that I've realized. I have no idea when TV shows are on TV anymore. Does anybody else have this problem? I used to know that, you know, on Monday night this show is on, and on Thursday this night, and on Saturday this... I have no idea when any of these TV shows are on. I just turn on the TV and look to see what's on. Anybody else do this? 
You can always find the pickers on there, you know? And Shark Tank is on all over the place. If you have to, you can fall back on that, but now you can go on demand and watch whatever you want, whenever you want. So who cares when anything's on? I used to keep my, my, my calendar almost by knowing when things... I don't know. And so I've forgotten. That's what happens if we don't keep a time holy for God. We forget. People say to me, well, I got out of the habit of church. Well, of course, habits are good. We don't just come to church because it's a habit, but when we get in that habit, it makes us healthier in our relationship with God. We want to be blessed by God, amen? But do we want to take the time to do what God wants us to do? We don't. Because we're tempted. We're tempted by by so many things. And we forget that God has given us the answers to everything. But we have to take time to remember him and to thank him for what he's already given us. So this Thursday, we're going to eat this gluttonous feast of food, so much food that we're going to be so full, we're not going to know what to do with all of that, right? We're going to have to unbuckle those extra belt spots to make room for the food in our bellies. Because that's what Thanksgiving is. A gluttonous feast to see how much we can stuff inside our bellies, right? Thanksgiving is supposed to be a day that we give thanks. Yeah, there's a concept. Now the interesting part is, is Thanksgiving is a holiday created by the government. I mean, we've taken our religious holidays of Christmas and Easter and turned them into something completely bizarre. But the one day that the government created for us to think about God is the closest we get to being truly focused on God. At least we remember to thank God for what he's done. Because if we forget God, if we forget the blessings of God, if we forget what God's about, then we're never going to get to the dream that God plans for us. When we disobey God, why would we believe, why would we expect to live into the dream that God intended for us? And God intended a special dream for each of our lives. Each of us has something particular for each of us, individually, to be in this world that God intended. Our problem is we we want God to bless what we want to do when God is already prepared to bless what he wants us to do. So they went out, and they collected up the manna, and they were blessed. But when they disobeyed God, they ended up with rotten manna. And we have the same thing. Because sin has consequences. When we do the things that are in disobedience to God, we end up becoming broken. We don't end up with the dream that that God wants for us. We become filled with disappointment, anxiety. Stress, health problems. The problems I have with my health have nothing to do with the doctor. All he does is point out to me where my failings are. And I wish he wouldn't, but he does. I didn't used to go to the doctor. You know, I had, a, I had an easy way to take care of cholesterol and sugar and all that stuff. I just never got it checked. Right? But then I didn't realize what damage I was doing. So God gives us rules so that we have something to check by, something that we can, we can pay attention to. God gives us rules for our benefit. As Mark says, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. 
God didn't create these rules to hurt us. He created these rules to help us. But if we won't live by them, if we live into the temptation, then we can almost be guaranteed that it'll lead to destruction. Right at the beginning of the Bible, when he was talking to Cain, God said, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to have you. But we must rule over it. Rules. We don't like rules, do we? But the rules are designed to help us. So temptation is our problem this week, but the answer is something most people don't want to even think about. Discipline. See, I don't even want to show it to you. Discipline. Discipline. Doing what God wants. Moses didn't get angry simply because because the people went out and did something wrong. He got angry because he was so frustrated and disappointed with them. He knew what was good for them. I'm going to tell you why I didn't have a good test when I went to see the doctors. Because I know why. I really do. About 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night, pretty much every night, I would go out to the kitchen and get myself an ice cream sandwich. Or I'd get myself some other little dessert that I found. Or something that one of you gave to me here at church as you were saying to me, Pastor Tom, you shouldn't eat too much sweets. Take one of these. (laughs) It's an occupational hazard sometimes, you know. I know. The reason I have a problem is because I didn't have the discipline. And my wife would say to me, you shouldn't eat that. Do you think she was doing that because she didn't want me to enjoy sweets? She was doing it because she cared about me. She loved me. And that's why Moses was giving them rules. That's why God gives us rules. Hebrews tells us God disciplines us for our good. For our good. God gives you rules for your good. So that you might share in his wholeness. His holiness. The sense of being whole and complete and being the person you're supposed to be. In verse 28... God himself speaks. And he says, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? And you know what the truth of the answer is to that? Pretty much forever. I can't help it. I like sweet stuff. And when I see it, I want to eat it. It's a struggle I've been going through for years. Just like a lot of things we wrestle with in life. We disobey God. In fact, we really can't help it because part of our brokenness as people is that we're susceptible to temptation, which leads to sin. First John says to us, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. Now, maybe you overcome one sin, but then something else seems to appear in your life. Have you noticed that? God shows you something else you got to work on. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We call that grace. See, the good news is is that we can get grace. God gives us a new beginning. Later on in the service, someone is going to say to you, today your sins are forgiven. 
That means everything and anything you've ever done wrong in your entire life, from the day you were born to this day, everything you've done wrong, God will no longer hold against you. Is that cool? It's like a, a fresh start. When I go in to see the doctor and he tells me what I've done wrong, it gives me an opportunity to make a fresh beginning, a new start, a do-over. You see, God's intention is not to push us away. God's intention is to draw us in. God didn't take the people who went out to collect too much manna and ended up with rotten manna and say, that's it, you're out of here forever, you're dead. He just gave them rotten manna and a new day, the next day, to try and get it right again. When I mess up on my diet, my wife doesn't kick me out of the house. She gives me a look like she's disappointed. She gives me a look like like she, she doesn't value me as much and she doesn't respect me as much. And she's worried about our future together. But she still loves me. And God does the same with us. But he calls us to do something more, something better. Just because we have grace doesn't mean that it's an excuse to do whatever we want. At the end of my visit with the doctor, he gave me pills. Right? Pills that are supposed to help me with my sugar. Now, you know what people think those pills are for? They're to make it possible for you to eat as much of that sugar as you want and not have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about sugar. I got the pills. I talked to a doctor in Florida who's a friend of mine. He said, Tom, those pills are to give you a chance. He said, here's what's going to happen. If you keep pushing this thing, in about 10 years, you're going to have to start using needles. And then your feet are going to have problems. And then your eyesight is going to start to fail. All because you can't resist a treat at night. He said it's your choice. What the pills are there to do is to give you an opportunity to try to go back to the beginning and start again. But it's up to you. And that's what grace is. Grace is meant to give us an opportunity to do a do-over. But discipline, which we gain from God, the ability through the Holy Spirit, the power of God, gives us the ability to overcome sin, but we have to, we have to allow it to work. It's important in our lives. About 15 years ago, I went to a conference out in Ohio, and there was a guy there that was about 10 years older than me. So he's about five years younger than I am now. <laughs> Give you an idea, right? And I looked at him and I thought, man, this guy is buff. Right? And I looked at me and I went, oh man, dude, you're having problems here. <laughs> Maybe you don't remember 15 years ago, but this is kind of what I looked like 15 years ago. I have not fixed it all. I just told you that. But I'm better today than 15 years ago. I'm actually healthier now than I was when I was 15 years younger. And you know why I did that? You know why I did that? I did that for you. I know that might sound weird. 
But here's the point. How do I stand up here in front of you and talk about you having to have spiritual disciplines when you can obviously look at me and I don't have physical discipline? So how can I talk to you about discipline I don't have? Have I perfected it? No. I still sneak an ice cream sandwich. But I don't eat eight of them in a day. I have a Christmas cookie this season. And I'll have one or two at every party, and I go to 20 of them. But I won't have five or eight at every party. Do you get it? I don't drink that liquid sugar anymore. When I'm, hung, when I'm full, I stop eating. This is huge, by the way. Because, you know, my generation, some of you remember this? You clean up your plate. Don't leave anything on it. That's crazy. If you're full... Stop eating. In fact, I eat too fast, so I have to actually stop in the middle of my eating just to make sure that my stomach is full or not. And what has that done? That's gotten me on the way. See, discipline and what we call in the church sanctification or growing closer to God, becoming more of what God wants us to be, it works over time if we stay with it. Can you look back at your life 15 years ago and see where you've made progress? God wants us to be healthy. He loves us enough to even even make it difficult for us to do what's hurtful in our lives. Do we trust that God? Why do we feel we need to go out and break God's rules? Why did they go out on the Sabbath? Do they trust God so little? Hebrews says God disciplines us for our good so that we can be a part of his wholeness, his his holiness. And grace gives us a new day, a new beginning. But that new beginning is not an excuse for our lives to be out of control. We can go through this life thinking we've got everything in order and missing the point of what we're supposed to be doing, like Thanksgiving Day. football too. Go Sabres. I like hockey too. Go Bulls. I even like basketball. But what's the point of Thanksgiving? What's the point of life? There's a parable Jesus tells in the book of Luke in chapter 6 where it says that a man went out and, and looked at one of his fig trees in his garden and, and it wasn't producing any figs. Lots of leaves, lots of growth, no figs. And so he said to the gardener, cut it down. Why should it take up the soil? Why should it even be here? See, somewhere along the line, we can miss the whole point. The point of this life is get to the next one. But it's also to get there, knowing that what we did in this life was what God wanted from us.
We've been talking now for weeks about being a part of the dream that God's blessed for us. The thing, the very, the very thing you can do in life that God wants you to do that will make your life into something incredible. God doesn't want you to just take up the soil. God wants you to do something absolutely incredible, absolutely astounding, and particularly for you. Yes, the goal of this life is to get to the next one, but it's also to live through this one in such a way that God will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. In Corinthians chapter 3, it says to us, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Depending on what you do with your life, the fire will determine whether it's something that lasts forever with God or whether it's something that will be burned up. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. Or in other words, you might be fortunate. Maybe, maybe you'll get the glory just through the love and grace of God. But do you want to go to glory stinking of smoke? Do you want to go to glory embarrassed at what your life was? Do you want to go to glory saying, I couldn't, I couldn't resist the temptation, God? Or do you want to go to glory saying, I did my best? But I could. I'm not perfect. But I do know that I'm going towards perfection. Do you think that the worst thing I've done in my life is eat a cupcake? I know you know that's not true because I've told you that. And I don't even tell you the worst of my life. Why would I? We don't need to do that with each other. But I know that every time I see something that's wrong in my life, that's broken, that's sinful, that breaks my heart, when I work on it, God gives me the ability to overcome that brokenness and move on to something better. And he shows me something else to work on. I get that. But at least little by little, I'm getting there. The goal isn't just to live healthy. The goal is to be a part of what God's decided to bless in your life. Thanksgiving is coming. Oh, the day that it should be. We will eat this huge feast, and some people think that's what Thanksgiving is all about. Have you ever read about the first Thanksgiving? People called the pilgrims. Because of their faith in God, they were kicked out of England, persecuted, some of them killed. They went to Europe, where they also were rejected, and so they, 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 they rented a boat called the Mayflower to come over to this continent. But the people who owned the Mayflower ripped them off three times. They had to keep going back and forth and back and forth. So by the time they got over here, it was October. They had very little supplies left in the boat. They had no place to live. They threw threw together a crummy little shelter. And the Mayflower went back to Europe. And 102 of them stayed here. 
And in the next three months, 51 of those people died. 51 of those people died. Do you imagine watching half the people you've loved for these years die? They finally got to the summer where they started to get some food together, and by the fall, they decided that it was good to thank God that they were still alive. Not thank God that they could eat a turkey this big. Not thank God that they could eat so much they could roll around on the floor in pain because of it. Not thank God because their football team won that day. They thank God because they were alive. By the way, the guys went out and did the hunting to get the food. The women cooked. Do you know how many women lived? Four. Four women. That's all that was alive in that colony. But they thanked God for the blessing that God brought them through the storm. Discipline sometimes is hard. God's goal is to draw us back to him. Right now, you know, we live in a world where we don't even sometimes know how to walk through all this temptation. My grandson comes over and he looks in the cupboards and in the, in the refrigerator of my house and he says, there's no food in this house. Really? The pilgrims could have lived for a year on my food. Do we thank God? Do we live into the blessings God intends for us? Are we willing to give up what will make us feel good today so that we can be the people God expects of us tomorrow? I'm afraid that we people are headed for a wilderness because if we can't get our act together and the blessings God gave to us, he has to send us back out into the wilderness. Otherwise, he doesn't love us. That's what discipline is. If you can't follow the rules, God has to make you, or he doesn't love you, and he does love you. But I think we have a different opportunity, that in the midst of the blessing, we can bless God. We can show God what it can be, and we can make amazing things happen in this world. It's not that hard. Not giving up a lot. I can get by without the ice cream sandwich. I can get by without the temptations if it means that God will make my life and what I know will be a blessing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul.
forgives our sins, when we accept Christ into our lives, we become a new creation. But we have to walk in that. We've got to move toward that. We've got to participate with the Spirit in that, which means giving up what we want and going for what God wants. And we all know the things that God wants us not to be doing. We all know it, and yet we decide to do that anyways. And so as we move toward a table of grace where God offers forgiveness, I ask you to do a prayer of confession along with me as we set ourselves back on the right track. Won't you pray? Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your grace. Forgive my sins. Set me on your path. Show me my sins that I may walk away from them in your strength to reveal your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and this proves God's love for you and for me. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And now as confident children of God, let's greet one another with the peace of the Holy Spirit.
And Jesus has taken it all. He has taken all of our sin, all of our shame. It went with him to the cross, and it's gone. And we celebrate that at the table. We celebrate that God walks with us as we walk with God, as we decide to be together with God, because God has made a way for us. We can come to the table because Jesus invites us. When we come to the table, we come expecting that God will meet us here. We come expecting that everything that God has promised us will be ours as we continue to walk in his ways. Everyone is welcome at the table because Jesus invites us. If we love God, repent of our sin, and seek to live in peace as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are welcome to come to the table. So even if it's your first time here, if you are feeling that God wants you to connect with him in a way that's unique and special and wonderful, come to the table. Come and receive all that God has given for you, all that God has provided. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. By your appointment, the seasons come and they go. You bring forth bread from the earth and create the fruit of the vine. You formed us in your image and made us stewards of your world. Earth has yielded its treasure, and from your hand we have received blessing on blessing. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. When hungry and tempted, he refused to make bread for himself, that he might be the bread of life for others. When the multitudes were hungry, he fed them. He broke bread with the outcast, but drove the greedy from the temple. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread. And as he gave it to his disciples, he said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the cup of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward? God invites you to the table of grace this morning. You're welcome to join us. No matter who you are, where you come from, if you see Christ in your life, you're welcome to come to this table and receive God into your lives. Come and join us at the rail for prayers for healing and anointing or to light a candle. Come and join us with the
Before we go into our closing hymn, I'd like to um, have us as a congregation lift up a prayer for Chet Dombrowski. He was just taken to urgent care with some um, health issues. Um, with, so um, it, please keep Chet in prayer. So let's say a quick prayer. Lord, we pray that you'll be with Chet that you'll send your healing hand upon him, and we pray for Carol, that you'll give her strength and wisdom. Lord, we pray for healing to be upon him and give the doctors your wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand if you're able as we sing, We Gather Together. wants to make us free from all the brokenness in our life. Every day I take those pills the doctor gives me. It's like a habit. I got to do it. It gives me a new opportunity to beat this thing. Every week you come here and we say to you, your sins are forgiven. You have a new day, brand new life, everything broken and all the power it holds on you. You're free from it today. Go out and live the way God intended you to live and live into the dream that he wants to bless. And may God make your lives full of grace and wonder and thanksgiving and power. Go in the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen.